every day I was trying to get more information, I felt like I'm, I'm just losing a penny that I could be making investing. <laughs> and so being 19, being very energetic, being like just wanting to go for it and jump head in, I realized, well, I couldn't find anyone to help me. So I'm just going to do it. Hello, fellow risk takers, and welcome to my worst investment ever. Stories of loss to keep you winning. In our community, we know that to win in investing, you must take risk, but to win big, you've got to reduce it. This episode is sponsored by A Starts Academy online course, how to start building your wealth, investing in the stock market. I wrote this course for those who want to go from feeling frustrated, intimidated, or overwhelmed by the stock market to becoming confident and in control of their financial future. Go to myworstinvestmentever.com slash deals to claim your discount now. Fellow risk takers, this is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stotts, and I'm here with featured guests, Elizabeth Bucco. Elizabeth, are you ready to rock? <laughs> Definitely, Andrew. Let's do it. All right. So let me introduce you to the audience. Elizabeth is an author and wealth coach. She helps entrepreneurs improve their finances and start their wealth building journey by changing the way they think about money from a faith-based perspective. Elizabeth has helped women eliminate tens of thousands in personal debt, start investing towards their financial goals, grow their net worth to multiple six and seven figures, and let go of deep personal beliefs that limit them financially. She is the founder of Wealth From Little, where she runs monthly wealth creation classes. She's married and has two young children, and we may even hear them in the background at some point. Elizabeth, take a minute and fill in for their tidbits about your life. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Andrew. Something really interesting is that I actually studied chemical engineering at university. I have a master's in engineering, and now I'm a financial coach. It's completely a different industry, and I absolutely love my pilot. Mm. And was it difficult to make that transition to go from engineer to helping people with their finances? No, it actually wasn't. I've always been interested in money ever since, you know, from my teenage years, even younger than that. Always been interested in money and interested in how money works. And as I grew up, you know, I'd been, well, people would say I was good with money. And so when my engineering career came to an end, because I got made, my role got made redundant. I had two children at the time and I was, I was thinking of what I wanted to do next. And it came to me, helping people with money was just something that was natural for me. And I just retrained. Mm, yeah. And it's interesting. And in, I teach, one of the courses I teach is the valuation masterclass. I have a lot of young people that want to become financial analysts or fund managers, they want to go into the finance industry. And the most common non-finance and accounting major that comes into the course is engineering. And I suspect that some of it has to do with the structure that we learn, whether that's engineering or science or that type of thing. There's a structure and a logical framework. And to some extent, that applies in the world of finance. Would you say that that's uh, the structure that you learn in engineering? Does that help you in the world of finance or does it hurt you? Absolutely. In university, I remember about at least 30% of my peers 
went on straight to get a job in the in investment banking right after graduating from a master's in engineering and they got swept up straight away. The way we are trained as engineers does have great benefits for the financial industry. Interesting that someone in Thailand that I listened to said that they only hire engineers for almost every position that they hire for. And part of the argument that they make is that engineers have a structured way of thinking. So, yeah, that's interesting. Definitely, yeah. We do think differently and we're trained to think that way. We're trained to think structurally and logically. So, yeah, I think that that really was a great foundation for (laughs) my new career. (laughs) And maybe just tell us just briefly about what you're doing and, and how it works and kind of just so that we can understand what is your business I noticed, yes. for instance, faith-based was one of the things that you said in your, in your bio. Maybe just tell us a little bit more about what you're doing. Yes. So basically, I help women change the way professionals and entrepreneurs change the way they think about money so they can start building wealth. One thing that most people might believe is that building wealth is all strategy, 100% strategy. So they want to know the right way to save, the right things to invest in how to get out of debt. And all those things are very important. But the thing that will help you, and also, you know, they also want to know how they can make more money, right? And all those things are very important. But what will help you ensure that you achieve your goals is your mindset. How you feel about money, what you think about money. What do you think about saving? How does that, how do you feel about seeing money in your account and not spending it? Are you okay to have money? Are you okay to delay gratification? Do you feel like you need to reward yourself every single time just because maybe you woke up, you took a breath, and therefore you deserve something more? Or do you feel like you can reward yourself in the future? And all of those, the answers to all those questions lie in the way we think, how we think about things, how we interpret the world. You know, one thing I believe is that we are meaning making beings, right? We make meaning out of everything and we decide what that meaning is. And I'm a Christian and I have a strong faith in God. And I use biblical principles to help people with their mindset. The Bible says, as a man thinks, so is he. That means that once you see the way someone is thinking now, you can have an idea of what their results will be in the future right? Mm. So, and everything that we have right now is a direct, in most cases, is directly related to how we were thinking in the past. For example, I got made redundant and from my, well, my role got made, was (laughs) redundant, not me. (laughs) My role got made redundant after seven to eight years working in engineering. And when that happened, and a lot of other things happened along with that. You know, I did experience some financial losses with, along with that. But when that happened, I can actually see how the way I thought led to that mm. because the company was experiencing financial issues. And due to some restructuring, my role got eliminated. When that started happening, some people were already leaving because they were talking that they don't see if this company can afford to keep that many employees. They can see that we are struggling. So they were going to leave. I, on the other hand, stayed. 
I said I was staying out of loyalty, out of love, out of the fact that this company was my family. But the truth was I was scared to leave. Mm. I was scared to leave because I did not feel good enough. Even though I was great in my role, in my mind, I felt I was great in my role only in this environment, mm-hmm. with these colleagues, with this managers and this boss and this building because of the way my company was structured and I couldn't do anything else. This was the story I told myself. So leaving and joining a new company and starting from scratch and learning everything new was scary. Mm. We like things that are comfortable. And and I was very comfortable in that company. I did not want to push myself out of my comfort zone. And I stayed. And Mm. as a result of staying, yeah, I was appreciated by my company. But eventually when stuff happened, my role got made redundant. Got it. So mindset is critical. All right. Well, now it's time to share your worst investment ever. And since no one ever goes into their worst investment thinking it will be, Tell us a bit about the circumstance leading up to it, and then tell us your story. I was, okay, I was an intern working nine to six, and every month, every penny I earned, I was saving. I was saving, paying essential bills, but saving as much as I could. I was about 19 at the point, And I decided that I was going to be rich. It was a decision. I made it. And I said, I have to be. Now, how do I get rich? That was the next question. And I was thinking, I need to find how I'm going to get rich. And I'd heard about the stock market. People invest all the time, you know, and and things blow up. And at that point, several companies had blown up. And I'd read in the newspaper about those who had invested in those companies as like seed investors in the initial stages and they were now like multimillionaires. and so I said I was going to be like these people and you know some of them were rock stars some of them were famous people some of them were wealthy rich people already and I said I was going to be just like these people I was going to invest I started looking for information about investing and I really didn't find information. I was speaking to all my friends and none of them could tell me how to go about it. Obviously, Google is a good friend, but Google just spits out like a million results, right? And I'm reading through it. Every strategy looks different from the next. And it's confusing. And I'm like, what is this? And I knew. And every day I was trying to get more information I felt like I'm, I'm just losing a penny that I could be making investing. <laughs> and so being 19, being very energetic, being like just wanting to go for it and jump head in, I realized, well, I couldn't find anyone to help me. So I'm just going to do it. And I invested in, I picked a stock because that was the only way I knew to invest. I never knew. I thought that investing was picking stocks at 19 picked a stock, put in my hard-earned cash in that stock. And literally, like, I felt like I was, like, <laughs> in Vegas, right? <laughs> just, just throw the dice. And then, you know, I kept on working, and I picked a second stock, like, maybe a month later, and I invested in that second stock as well. And what happens next is 
maybe a few months later, the first stock, the company goes into some issues and it loses value. Like it's like worth pennies. I think I still have it, but it's like worth, oh gosh, 10, less than 10% of what I paid. And then the second stock was still doing well and I was earning dividends initially and the money was growing. Fast forward six, seven years later, it just crashed. There was one of these recession-related events happened and the company couldn't couldn't survive and crashed. So and that what, was it. What was the amount <laughs> that you lost and how, how meaningful was it in your life at the time? So at the time when I was 19, I invested about maybe 50% of what I had saved. Mm. And at that point, it was very meaningful because, okay, I'm 19. I'm not earning a lot, but my friends are going out. My sisters are going shopping. My friends are going, going to the cinema, going out for dinner, having fun, spending money. And I'm like, I can't afford it. <laughs> I'll drink water. I'm like squimping because I'm like trying to like be rich and trying to put all my money and make and get rich in 30 years or in 20 years or something. So that first investment, I think I had saved about, at that point, I think I had saved about 4,000 pounds and I put in 2,000. And at that point, 2,000 was like, that was the most I ever made, I ever had. It was like, at 19, it was like a lot of money. I put that in and yeah, when it disappeared, I, I wanted to cry. And then a couple of months later, I put in the rest. And, you know, I planned to go to, I planned to take travel the next year to study abroad for a year. So I knew I had to continue working and saving so that I could do that trip the following year. But for that second amount, I put that in and I had calculated that the money would have grown and it was going to, you know, make money and, and every year I'd keep on adding money to it and I'd keep investing and it was going to be an ongoing process. And by the time that I lost it, I believe it had grown to about, I can't fully remember, but it was either between 15, it was about 15,000, I think, mm -hmm. that it had grown to. And the company was doing well. I felt that the stock was doing really well. But then one day. Then one day. Then so one day. Tell us what lessons did you learn from this experience? Well, I had no idea how to invest. I thought investing was picking stocks. I had no information. I tried to find information. When I didn't, I took matters into my own hands. It was a risky play. I am happy I took that risk then when I was 19, not now, <laughs> when I have two children. But then it was, you know, a huge loss and I felt like I'd lost the world, but it showed me where my weaknesses were. One was that I was motivated by fear, fear of, it wasn't really the desire to be rich, but it was the fear of being poor. Mm. Like I didn't want to be poor. So I wanted to, to put some money there. And so when you're motivated you by action? fear. Is it the fear yeah. that pushed you into that action and say, okay, I'm it, just going to do this. Exactly. So the fear of being poor pushed me into putting my money in a stock that I did not research. 
I did not know what the stock market was doing. I did not have any idea. The only thing I knew was from watching Hollywood movies. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> that was where I got my education from. There you go. So exactly, the, the the fear pushed me into making those decisions without clearly understanding yeah. how to invest as a beginner and how to ensure that I achieve my goal. My goal was to ensure that was to be secure. I wanted security for life. That was my ultimate goal. It wasn't just to be rich. And I didn't know how to achieve that goal. So maybe I'll summarize what I took away from what you've explained. I mean, first thing is after interviewing many people about their worst investment ever, I've come up with six common mistakes. And the first most common mistake is failed to do their research. And I would say to some extent, that's what happened here. And, And it's most common. Thing. Second most common is fail to properly assess and manage risk. Mm-hmm. And I would say those are the two ones. There's other ones, but I'd say those two really fit this case. Now, maybe I'll, I'll explain some of the things. I just wrote down a few things as you were going through it. I mean, first thing is to think about excitement about investing is not enough. Just because you're excited and you see Warren Buffett and you see these books and you see this and that, investing is is a serious business that can really strip you of your wealth very quickly. It's just like getting excited about going to the casino with your friends for the weekend and like really excited about all the money you're going to make and how easy it's going to be. And you usually will be very downtrodden by the time you leave. Now, the other one is the idea of diversification. In my course about how to start building your wealth, investing in the stock market, I talk about one of the research papers that I wrote, which was about looking at the number of stocks that you should have in a portfolio. If you're going to invest in stocks, my estimate is that you should have about 10. You shouldn't have one or two, and you don't need to have 20 or 30 or else you're just mimicking the market. You might as well buy a market index ETF or something like that. But yet most people have, I think it's like 70% of people have their portfolio as two stocks. And so it's very, very common that people don't diversify. And this is the damage that it can cause, right? And the other thing is that a lot of times what I teach, like when I taught my nieces about how to invest, I said, this is the instrument you should buy, this particular ETF or fund, and you should hold it forever, never sell. Now that's an ETF or a fund that owns many, many stocks. But when you look at individual stocks, you can never hold an individual stock forever. You'd like to, but things change. And I think that's another important uh, thing. And the last thing, it's about mindset. If we went out to dinner and I ordered something, chances are I'm not going to order shellfish. Mm-hmm. Not because I'm selfish. It's because I don't like shellfish so much. I mean, I could eat it, but I'll eat lobster or I'll eat shrimp. But shellfish, I just don't order that much. And I, a couple of years ago, I was talking about my mom and she said, you remember when we took that holiday to New Jersey? And your father and your two sisters got hepatitis from eating shellfish. And you and I were the only ones that didn't get it. And they were quarantined in the house, you know, for this period of time. I was like, God, I can just barely remember that. Just barely remember that. But then it's like everything connected why I don't eat shellfish. And so this is a good example of the concept of mindset. It's put in there for, you know, good reasons, bad reasons, logical reasons, not so logical reasons. But it it was there and it was impacting the way I ate and acted in my life. And it was driven by that. 
And so that's my example of mindset. Anything you'd add to those mm -hmm. things that I took away? Yeah, definitely. I think you're completely right. Lack of research. I didn't know what I was doing 100%. And I didn't take the time to diligently do my due diligence. I didn't take the time to research and figure out what was happening. I was, what you would say, was I um, was one of those people who were trying to get rich quick in the stock market. And that's not how to invest. That's not how to, that's not how to grow your, your wealth. You do need information. You do need advice. You do need education, the right education. And you do have to have the mindset of you're not trying to get rich quick. And those things were definitely at play. Definitely mm. the excitement was there and I was treating it like Almost like gambling. Yeah, I was. I was treating that what I was doing like gambling and hoping for the best, trusting for the best, yep. you know, like, OK, I'm just going to put it there and I'm going to trust that everyone in the company and their board of directors and everybody else will take care of my money because I'm trusting them You're supposed with it. To. All right. So based <laughs> on what you learned from this story and what you continue to learn, what one action? Would you recommend our listeners take to avoid suffering the same fate? Think about that young man or woman out there who is starting to make some money. They don't know anything about investing, but they're getting excited. They're feeling that impulse, like they got to do something. What one action would you recommend that they take? Definitely get some education. I think we all need, we're all learning. We keep learning every day. And Wherever you are, you need the education and information to get you to the next step. However much it would have cost me to get the right help, the right education, the right information to make the right decision is minimal compared to the amount that I lost by investing and the time and the growth and the profit that I would have gained if I had put that the whole amount into a different investment vehicle than the stocks that I had picked. Mm. I don't even want to do the calculations of where it would, it would be now from when I was 19, almost, geez. A long gosh. time ago. Yeah, 15 or 16 years ago. Yeah, yeah I can't even remember now. Yeah. But yeah, mm. it's... Imagine how it would have grown if I had invested it in the right investment vehicles. Yep. But I didn't. I didn't have that knowledge. I didn't have that education. And I think that any young person right now, there's so much more. The education and the information is so much more available than it was then. So you don't have an excuse not to find it. The Bible talks about in everything that we do, we should get wisdom. And it talks about having knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. And those three things are so important. Mm -hmm. And knowledge is, you know, information. And then understanding is being able to apply it to your situation, understanding how that information applies to you and being able to pick out what is good for you. And then wisdom is being able to implement and take the right decisions based on what you understand and what you've learned. And those three things are so important. And the Bible talks about how wisdom is the way to gain wealth. So mm. I think that. Okay. 
So <laughs> last question, what's your number one goal for the next 12 months? My number one goal for the next 12 months is to love a hundred more women through Wealth From Little. Right now, I I support hundreds of women during my free monthly calls, but I also want to support more women one-on-one through my programs and to give them the knowledge, the understanding, the faith and the strategies so that they can get out of debt, they can start building wealth, they can turn their financial lives around. And that's and where the world goes. What's the best way for, for if someone's listening to this, what's the best way for them to contact you if they want to join in on that? Yeah. So my my website is elizabethbooker.com. You can type that in and find information about any of my free trainings. You can see past trainings and sign up to watch them. I'm on Instagram at Wealth From Little. I'm on Facebook at Wealth From Little. And you can also, yeah, yeah they can also send you a message and you can find, you can send that exactly. to me. And, and I'm also on LinkedIn. Okay. Yeah, actually, that's how we originally met, LinkedIn. Yeah. <laughs> so don't yeah. be afraid to reach out to Elizabeth. And also, I'll put all the links to that in the show notes. So for those of you that want to go there and reach out, do so. All right. Listeners. There you have it, another story of loss to keep you winning. Remember to go to myworstinvestmentever.com slash deals to claim your discount on how to start building your wealth, investing in the stock market. As we conclude, Elizabeth, I want to thank you again for coming on the show. And on behalf of ASTOTS Academy, I hereby award you alumni status for turning your worst investment ever into your best teaching moment. Do you have any parting words for the audience? Yeah, I do. There is this quote that I always say to myself and one that I say to my children as well. And I think the quote has helped me through a lot of difficult situations where I feel stuck. And it's also from the Bible in Philippians chapter 4 verse 13, but it says that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And when I feel stuck, I feel like when I faced my redundancy, I faced changing careers. I faced difficulties in different areas of my life. And I felt like giving up or felt like, oh, things are just not working. What's the point? I remember that I can do all things. And that motivates me to keep pushing. And, you know, you don't actually fail until you give up. And for your listeners out there, if you're facing, you faced loss in some way, you faced some sort of rejection, isolation or hardship, you can do all things, whatever that all means to you. It's, yeah. it's more than possible if you believe it. Yeah, that's beautiful. When I was young, somebody said to me, God won't give you more than you can handle. Okay. Well, that's a wrap on another great story to help us create, grow, and protect our well fellow risk takers. This is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stott, saying, I'll see you on the upside.